Welcome to the Dolly Mama and the Millennials. Today I have a very special guest with me. It is our firstborn daughter, Sarah. Hi. Um, hi. 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 I just wanted to give you a little bit of background if this is the first time you're listening in. This podcast really is going to be for parents, probably mostly moms will be listening to this. I'll be interviewing all of my children and different about different things and different times and different um, subjects. Um, I have four kids who are mostly millennials, but they are age 19 to 26. And we'll be talking about the different secrets, uh, revealing our secrets of our family and our struggles and successes that we've had in our parenting um, and just giving you a behind the scenes peek at an average Christian American family and all the stuff that went on here. Some of it not so good and some of it really great. And just welcome to you and we are so glad that you've joined us and now I want to introduce our daughter Sarah. So Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm going to ask Sarah a couple questions so you can get to know her and so, Sarah, what would you say is your greatest passion, and who are you right now? That's two questions, but that's fine. Um, well, right now, I am a teacher in um, South Central Pennsylvania, so that's probably one of my greatest passions is teaching. Um, I like to teach others, but I mostly like to learn and then watch other people learn. Um, so I think that's what I'm about. My class talks every... Every morning in our classroom, Mantra talks about how we're both teachers and we're both learners. So I think um, I've been teaching. This is my fifth year of teaching. I graduated from Messiah College in 2014. Um, and then I started teaching in Lebanon City, which is a small city in, um, in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania. And I taught there for four years. It's mostly an immigrant population, and I really enjoyed teaching there but the commute was too far so this year I started teaching in our hometown of Mechanicsburg. Um, in that time I was teaching after graduating I married my husband and then about a year and a couple months later we had our first baby who is now one. Right so that's really fun I think about your teaching ability and uh, watch Sarah grow up obviously I'm her mom <laughs> and uh, it's kind of fun. She has her little baby now, and so she's starting this whole journey of mm -hmm. her own parenting journey. So that's kind of a cool perspective, too, that you're going to hear um, as we do more and more interviews together and we learn more about what makes Sarah tick and the things that she uh, experienced in our family and the things she'll take with her into her own parenting journey. But I guess, uh, Sarah, I would say... Can you think of some examples from when you were growing up where your passion for learning and yeah. teaching came out? So I think even from a very young age, like I uh, probably was six or seven. Eight. Maybe I think eight. I think you were eight. Because Josh was like three or four. four. So my brother Josh, who's third in the lineup, I would take him, spread out a blanket, and... Um, Set up all stuffed animals and Josh, and we would read a series of like books about this mouse called Mickey I was pretty convinced that Josh could read because I had read him the book so many times that he had it memorized and could say the whole book back to me. I thought he was reading. Right. Um, what do you guys call that? Maisie time. Maisie time, right? We would say Maisie time, and then we would spread it, like lay it all out. And then <laughs> I think that was kind of funny because. Um, as a mom of four kids, I basically got a break for whatever it was, half an hour, without screens. 
half an hour to an hour where you would be like, it's Maisie time. And Josh would run upstairs and they would have this separate time. And for about half hour to 60 minutes, I had only two of my kids that I had to keep occupied. Probably and wasn't even that long. I know. It just felt so wonderful to you. It was. Now that you're it was a mom. It was like 10 minutes, but it was just like 10 minutes I don't have to occupy them. Right. And now that you're a mom, you get it. Yeah. It was, it was to me, it seemed forever. amazing. Right, right. Um, you, and then I also um, ran a preschool in our basement for Rachel, which is the youngest, and all of her preschool trends, because I was probably in middle school. 11. I think you guys yeah. were like a 10 or 11. Sixth or seventh grade, and Rachel was like in preschool, so... I ran a little preschool. We had like a play of like creation story. <laughs> I think the one year and um, I, I you did, did that in, in the summer months. In right? the summer, couple summers in a row. Mm-hmm. I made money like three dollars an hour or something. It was great. <laughs> and parents dropped off their children and let me watch them. So I did that, and then I coached um, a lacrosse clinic once. My like mentor, I had a mentor who was my lacrosse coach, and she used to run a field hockey and lacrosse coach in the summer, and when she stopped, I started running a lacrosse clinic, and that was really through the rec department, and that was really fun as well. Um, One more way for you to get your teaching, teaching. and learning mm-hmm. skills um, modified, and now you're full And now I have one of those girls that was like a D1 athlete, isn't she? So that's uh, right. exciting. Right, right. <laughs> Started her love for lacrosse at the clinic, so now she's a D1 athlete. She went and surpassed me, so. That's exciting. Yeah. I know you think, like, you were able to see um, how your teaching skills played out for somebody for real, and you... you just you, seeing the excitement and that they had a passion for it. Right. Hopefully I think you passed, my passion. <laughs> you passed your passion along, which mm-hmm. I think is probably one of the reasons why you love to teach. Yeah, and I teach second graders, so um, my favorite teacher was my second grade teacher, and she was really passionate about everything she did. We did so many just unique projects, and I think. And you also, um, she really just cared, and you could tell that she cared. I still have a box of note cards she gave me. Unfortunately, the message has faded from the sun, but um, she has a box of note cards she gave me when I moved away. So just that caring and that inspiring others and teaching. Right. It's kind of crazy that your second grade teacher was the reason why you love being a second grade Mm -hmm. teacher. So that's cool. So any of you teachers out there, I'm telling you, you can make a really big difference in anybody's life. Um, A huge Huge, yeah. absolutely huge. Um, so, Sarah, I'm going to switch things over now to our family, and I'm going to ask you, what role do you think you played? Obviously, you were the firstborn, but what role were you thrust into or that you played mostly in our family? Yeah, and I think we're going to go kind of two directions with this. First, I'll talk about like the responsibility of being firstborn, but I also think Part of being a firstborn was getting, I was born 10 months after your marriage, so getting to watch yours and dad's faith journey. So I'll first talk about the responsibility um, that I was kind of thrust into from a young age. It, it played out in a positive way in that I have a love for teaching and then I like working with younger children. I think that's the positive side of it. I think that the harder, maybe more thorn, the thorny kind of side of it is you were, I just had to be perform and behave and um, show and be responsible from a young age. I think one of the things we were we share often that's kind of a funny example is 
Uh, my parents had a small group called the Square because they were rebellious, and it was a circle, but a circle group, but they called it Square. Well, the and church, was... <laughs> the church small groups were called circles, and we decided to be rebellious and call ours a Square. But then we had five couples, so then it was more like a pentagon. But um, the <laughs> the reality of it is, there was I was the oldest at twelve years old when they started, and then I think we had every age down to like two. Like 12, 11, 10. 15 kids. 15 kids from 12 to 2, but every age was represented, and I was supposed to watch all the kids from for like an hour and a half while the parents talked in our basement. And I think on a couple occasions, it just obviously didn't work out because I was a 12-year-old trying to enjoy the the friends. I had two friends who were 11, and um, I wanted to just have friends, but then I was always getting yelled at after square, like, why weren't you watching the kids? And... So the youngest was crying because we turned all off all the lights in the basement to play manhunt, and he was just upset. And then there was a time where people were hot gluing sequins to their face, and um, I don't know. I, I wanted to be a kid, but I was made to have a lot more responsibility. responsibility. Um, That's so true, and I think like you guys, parents out there right now who are listening, who are desperate for time alone. And time with your friends, I mean, just shows how ridiculously desperate uh, parents can be to get any time uh, to, to make connections with other parents. And uh, but then and I think, well, like then, I said, it plays out in, two, in positive ways, but also like the harder ways. Like I, I'm, I think teaching comes from that. But then I think it's also just it's wrong. hard, hard. <laughs> it was I mean, it wasn't it was. Born out of desperation, but it didn't mean that it was the right thing to do. Uh, we probably should have had <laughs> hired somebody to watch you guys and so that you could be a kid. But that's kind of what you said your role was. I think mm -hmm. I also felt like, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, that you were you had the role of the good child. Yeah. Uh, the well-behaved child. And maybe that was partly because you were firstborn, but also maybe partly because of your personality. Yeah, I, I think some of that is innate and just that I, that's who I am as a person. And I think this goes to more of the second thing of just watching, like, your and dad's faith journey from the beginning. There's kind of two parts, and I think being the good child was emphasized in the first part of that faith journey by the church culture we were a part of, and then and probably parent the way you parented, and then just also my personality. Right, and I would say, uh, and Sarah is starting to allude to the big questions we're going to talk about today is um, her watching our faith journey. She was born 10 months after we were married, and our big joke is that I was petrified that somehow she was going to be a preemie and be born uh, before the nine-month mark, and then I would have a lot of explaining to do to my very conservative family and church culture at the time. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully she wasn't early, and she was born ten and a half months after we were <laughs> married, which was very early. And I think about how uh, she has then seen sort of our entire parenting journey, and she's 26, almost 27 and the big thing we're going to talk about today is uh, she's been very privy to our faith journey. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is on our current church has a pen. And on this pen, it says, faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. And I believe that... Yeah, and I, I think I feel like their faith journey has been in two parts. And probably the first part of it 
was categorized more by the second part of the pen, which is faith is a guilt trip. Right. Whereas the second part of, and that was probably the beginning of how I was raised probably until about 10. And then after that, it's more of this, this journey of wondering and experiencing and, and finding God's grace and love. Whereas the first part was more of that guilt trip and performance and um, seeking approval right. through actions, I think. Well, in what ways, I mean, and I know it was part of our church culture too, but I would, um, what ways did that play out for you when you were younger? What was your view of God and what was your view of like the whole church thing and faith? Um, I think my view is like you do a bunch of things to get God's approval and I think to get others approval was probably more what I was seeking um, and then others told me that you want to seek God's approval so then I was then trying to earn God's approval through what I did um, and I did played that game very well and I think that um, that I, I was good at it. I think I was pitted kind of against the second, my the second born in our family, Jared, and we were we were very close in age. So I think I played that game very well, and people kind of said you're the good one. And Jared didn't want to play that game or wasn't able to play that game. I think because of his ADHD and things, he wasn't able to play that game well, and um, he was labeled the bad one. So then I think a lot of my identity came in opposition to who Jared was too. Um, so, and I don't even know if that was reinforced by you and dad, probably, but I can also remember that from just other people in the church of, oh, Sarah's good, she follows the rules. And just a lot of like, oh, sweet Sarah. I was the only girl of that age, too, and so I was just, sweet Sarah, she does all the things she's supposed to, she memorizes her verses. I think I found, we found a checklist of oh, like, wow. how to be a good Christian in my room, and it was like, pray five times a day, and... Can um, we just, can we talk about that? So yeah, what, what, <laughs> um, up a little. yeah, just a, a second. Um, so the saddest tale I will say to tell is we were cleaning out Sarah's room before she got married or before college. It was a while. It might've been before she left for college. We were cleaning out her room and we found this checklist, which is super, uh, like funny and horrible all at the same yeah. time. It's was, a good symbol of what I thought faith was at the time. I think right. A good it, picture of it. It was a, it was very symbolic of what faith was at the time. Her faith journey was, and it basically said how to be a good Christian at the top. And it said, pray five every day, read your Bible, pray five times, memorize your verses, be obedient to mom and dad. It was so scary. We, we burst out laughing and I think I we're horrified. All our, right. And we're absolutely horrified. Yeah. We, we could not believe. And it was so telling of what Alan's my view was about God and our, what our church views were about God. And really that, that really did get passed down that formulaic thinking of if you're good, you will be approved of. If you perform well, you'll be approved of. And if you don't, then who knows what will happen to you. You might... I, yeah, I think it came through a lot in the church we were part of and even the camp we went to. As much as I have wonderful memories and friendships from that at that time from camp, like I think it came through in that if you could recommend the best hymn to sing at, like, at church, it was just like that was what was cool. <laughs> even as like 10, 11, 12, if you were the one standing up to speak and 
recommending the best, yeah, the best hymn and um, that checklist, I think, is very much how the faith, the faith was. I think part of it is who I am just came out innately, like, I want to be good, I want to seek other people's approval. Um, I played that game very well, but then it also had negative internal effects, which I think it has for a lot of people in that, in that church and in well, that group. Well, in that, that type that of faith. Type of faith and that type of thinking. Um, right. The faith is a guilt trip more type where that you're, that mm -hmm. you behave and God is really a behavior management God. Yes. And that he is all about managing our behavior and not really entering into a relationship of love and community and grace and forgiveness and kindness and mercy and all that. So yeah. that's very interesting. Um, I think the things that were valued, like the things that stick out in my mind were running up and telling my verse and getting the starburst and singing in front of the church. And it was a very external versus internal. internal and what other people approved of versus right versus like god's love and i would say we highly highly played into that because we believed it mm -hmm. we we ourselves dad and i thought that faith was a guilt trip we believed that god that faith was something that was about be being good and having our behavior under control and we obviously passed that along to you another horrifying example to me is all the videos we have of when you're little mm -hmm. and I'm always saying Sarah say your verse Sarah sing this Sunday school song Sarah tell me about why you love Jesus and and then I very much like it's funny to watch me then do that though because then on the videos I'm constantly trying to seek that approval mommy I can do this watch me do this I can say my verse I can and right. just constantly trying to act in a way that will win that favor I think and it just so I think like for the parents who are listening, you do pass along what you believe. And when you believe that God is a behavior management God, you are going to pass that along to your kids. And it, I wish if there's anything that I highly regret in my parenting, it's this very thing. I wish that Sarah had not received that message. And I think kid. as much as you regret it, I see it as like a blessing and and uh, that has its curse type moments too, but I think it's also a blessing because I very much got to see all kinds of faiths and, and I don't know, and then have my own journey and then like kind of mature in my faith quicker because I got to see all the different types and how it can play out right. and yeah, well, kind, well, of, I... kind of come to see the, the, cha the challenges of that thinking early on and then maybe not repeat some of those patterns with my own child and children in the future so I think that that's also it's can be a good thing too well the good thing that I don't regret is that you got to see us transition yes and so I think the faith is a journey part uh started to happen after you were about 10 um we moved away and then we when we came back we started going to a different church dad and I started to change in our uh, understanding of who God was. And a lot of counseling lot for of both you and Dad and for myself. Right, lots so of I think counseling. So I would say that that's, you can't be any further along than you are. So you got to experience us, the whole gamut of us. Uh, Josh and Rachel, we've talked about this, have a little different experience because mm -hmm. they kind of knew us mostly after we were changed and our thinking had changed. But what was it like for you to watch that transition? Did it scare you? Did it make you happy? Did you just go with it? I mean, 
I think kind of like what I said, I think I just went with it, kind of experienced it, and then it's helped me to like understand all kinds of people's faith and understand all kinds of where people are in their journeys of faith. And I've really experienced two kinds or a couple kinds of faiths. So I don't think it, it didn't scare me. I, I, I don't know. I think that there's... I think it helps you to develop more understanding, and I think um, one of the side effects of that early faith then was having a lot of anxiety to deal with in my early life, but then I've had a lot of counseling and transitioning, and so I feel like I have, yeah, I'm still pretty young, and I kind of forget it, Right. <laughs> um, and that's been kind of cool. I I know about anxiety. I know how to help people with anxiety. I know... Um, how to steer away from some of the that more um, guilt and shame kind of thinking. I, I still fall into it a lot. It probably will be a lifelong thing I have to um, work on and try to find um, freedom from, but I think that there's already been a lot of healing even early on, and I think that will then translate to what I do with my own child. Child, right. I... I think one of my happiest moments and one of the things I did well after we did stuff so horribly and I would encourage you parents out there, especially parents maybe who uh, had this similar faith journey, um, was that we did say we were sorry. I mean, we have yeah. said to you guys, we really own that parts that part and really the detriment that it was to you and I do think it fed into the anxiety you might have been born with and it <laughs> fed into born the perfectionistic yeah. mindset that you probably had uh, a predisposition for but just all we can really do um, when we have regrets and is to just own our own stuff and say yeah we were on that journey we weren't any further along but I am so sorry for the pain and the destruction that it caused you and yet it also was causing me that same destruction uh -huh. and the ways to really work through that is maybe to get counseling mm -hmm. and to talk through it and not be defensive about it. And I think that's what I was going to say, like the amount of conversations now that there's room there through counseling, but then also just as a family, like there's room and a lot of times we laugh, we're able to now look back and kind of laugh at who we were and, um, and I think some of the things are ridiculous and silly and then have conversations about them and then have really deep conversations that allow room for differences and allow room for growth. And that's where it really where the journey comes in and just wondering and not always knowing the answers or um, I think that's kind of where I'm at in, in my faith journey. And I, I feel like you and dad transition to that of there's room for um Questions. Questions. There's yeah. There's room for questions. There's room for love and and grace. And I think that's kind of the benefit of it. Right. I I really uh, I like that there is room, and I don't feel like I am defensive. As horrified as I am, to tell you the truth, and how eye opening it is to watch those home videos. Um, it is where we were, and there's nothing we can really do about it except. Be where we are today and allow room for discussion and, and processing of all of that. And you have to be tender with those people who, like, they're different people then, too. Like, we were different people back then. I think you and Dad were different people, and you have to be tender with it. I think there was a lot of fear and guilt and, guilt and hiding and fear of your own things inside. So 
you have to be tender with those people and then hopefully I think I was a af- for so long I was afraid of people who went that who were more legalistic and then because you're just in opposition you're trying to get yourself out of that and then I think along that journey then you can look back and look at those type that type of faith and um, with tenderness and say wow how much pain are you probably experiencing inside because of this Right. Thank you. That's such a good thing. That really helps me that we can look back at ourselves with tenderness and then others who are in that same spot, even today, where they're just trying to do what's right. Yeah, I think that's where we were. Just trying to do what's right. Everyone is just trying to do what they feel like is best and and serve God, which is in and of itself a really beautiful thing, I think, but looking at the pain that that can cause is, is sad. Especially when your motivations... Our fear and guilt. Mm-hmm. And that is um, some pain. So that's really great. See, I'm even learning something today. I like <laughs> that. I can look at yeah. myself when we watch our home videos and say, whew, that poor girl, and be tender towards her. Towards yourself. Towards yeah. my, my young mom self, yeah. who is just trying to do the right thing. So, mm-hmm. And I'm sure I, even as a parent, like I will have those things I look back. with. I was talking with another young mom the other day, and she was saying, oh no, we're just going to screw up our own kids and there's no way of avoiding it. And I said, yeah, but we're just doing what we think is best and you have to then look back tenderly at yourself in the future and say, I didn't know better. So Right, we didn't know better and that's really great. Well, Sarah, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Mm-hmm. This is huge. Um, you guys have no idea how amazing this person is sitting in front of me. I guess <laughs> hopefully you. you've gotten a little glimpse into her and how precious her soul is and her journey even um the ways that she has learned about god and uh the tough stuff that we had in our family growing up and um some of the good stuff that has come out of it now and um one of the greatest things is a friendship with an adult that's exactly what i was thinking and i think because i was born so early into your marriage and experienced the journey i think that um increases the amount, the depth of the friendship then and that's where that having all those conversations and experiencing the journey together builds that friendship right so be excited you moms out there and you can be friends with your children you can be friends <laughs> with your children when they grow up and um, even if you think you've screwed them up <laughs> <laughs> and we're both so we were both so screwed up so at least we have that in common yeah and uh so that's great we thank you um for listening and i just wanted to remind you that you can follow me Especially on my podcast. I mean, not, not on my podcast. Yes, you can follow me on my <laughs> podcast. Sorry. But you can um, read on my blog, which is uh, www.the-dolly-mama.com. Mm-hmm. And that will bring you straight to my WordPress blog. And you can find me on Facebook at Esther Getz. Actually, I have a new Facebook group, and it's called The Dolly Mama NJ for New Jersey. And you can find me on Twitter at the same thing, the Dolly Mama NJ. And you can find me on Instagram at the.dolly.mama. And I would love for you to follow me and join us. And I hope that you are back for the next podcast. So thank you again, Sarah. We're signing off. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.